0: Hey, you're listening to Orla's Happy Hormones Podcast, talking all things female health and wellness. I'm Orla O'Flaherty, a certified naturopath and herbalist, and I'm here to talk about everything from periods, PCOS, endometriosis, health, sex, wellness, and life in general. Here's to Happy Hormones and a Happy You. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Orla's Happy Hormones Podcast, episode 11. So, so this week <laughs> this week has been an interesting one it has it's been a roller coaster it's had its ups it's had its downs it's had its loop de loops and yeah between last week's podcast and work and then today my poor betsy my poor care decided to break down on me so yeah it's been roller coaster over the last week but I have been practicing what I preach myself and I have been well trying to be gentle on myself and understanding with myself but also celebrating the good things too and focusing on the good things and I think that's really what it's what it's all about because like in last week's podcast how I talked about my own journey and I just want to say thank you to everybody who messaged me over it it was very heartwarming but it was also lovely to see so many of you open up to me and that's what I talk about a lot is connection and how we all need to connect and that I found really beautiful having people connecting in with me with your own stories and some of you saying how you got so much from it and how you're going to take things on board and move forward and that's myself in the last week I've been taking on my own lessons on board as well and practicing what I preach and knowing that life will give us lemons and it's what we do with them and it's also about focusing on the good things and focusing on all the positives because that's what will get you through life it's the old American Indian saying it's the two wolves what wolf are you going to feed are you going to feed anger are you going to feed joy are you going to fe- feed sadness are you going to feed love but, You know, it's all a matter of wh- who and what you feed so I'm choosing to feed love and joy but I will be honest I had a bit of a pity party for myself today <laughs> when poor Betsy broke down and went to the garage. I did. I got back home from the garage. The sun was shining. I said, that's it. I have to go for a walk, clear my head, went over to the swamp, sat down, cried for about 15 minutes, (laughs) then got back up, went home and got back to work. But it's one thing I always say is that you... Yes, we have to focus on the good, but you always have to feel the emotion too. And I'm going to go into that in this week's podcast. Because this week's podcast is a QA and a style podcast. Now I answered these questions very shortly on my Instagram Q&A, but I wanted to go further into them. And also I just wanted to do a Q&A podcast and see what it's like, see what it's like for you and see what it's like for me. So I'll get started. The first question that came in, came from a woman saying we've been trying to conceive for three months but nothing's happening, what can we do? So my answer to you and to any other women out there who are in the same situation is that conception can take anywhere from one month up to 18 months, sometimes more, sometimes, well, obviously not less than one month. But don't be alarmed when I say up to 18 months. Like... I'm not saying it's going to take that long for you or for anyone but it can. Now haven't been trying for 3 months, it's actually a really short time in the bigger picture. Like when you're looking to conceive, during that process, it's the chance of the chances of actually conceiving in any given monthly cycle is actually only 34%. We have a window of conception and that is around ovulation so there are many factors that you have to take into account when it comes to that and I'll go through that but one of the main things that I see with women and now these are women with no underlying health issues or anything like that but it's that the stress and the pressure of trying to actually get pregnant that plays a huge role in delayed conception now, yeah, I get it. For some women, it's really easy. And especially for women who aren't planning on getting pregnant. But yes, for them, one time Bob's your uncle. But then others, it's not so much the case. Because when it comes to stress, it affects your entire body. You're looking at all your stress hormones that are being released. So that's having a huge impact as well. But when I say that, you know, trying for three months, it is a really short time. You have to give yourself anywhere to six to 12 months before you start panicking. Because there's a huge host of contributing factors. And the likes of what I will say to anyone who is trying to conceive and it's not happening right away. Ask yourselves the following questions. Are you tracking ovulation? So do you even know when you're ovulating? That's a huge factor. I talked about it before with um, either the rhythm method or else buying ovulation sticks. You need to understand where you are in your cycle because that brings me on to my next point. When are you having sex? And how often are you having sex as well? You need to time when you're having sex around ovulation. You have a very small window of conception. Like I said, there's a 34% chance of conceiving. And it's all linked around ovulation. So if you are tracking your cycle and you know when you're ovulating, then you need to be having, starting to really having sex the week before ovulation. Now, don't do it every single day. Now, the reason we say the week before, and it's because sperm can last up to five days, So even if you haven't ovulated yet, that sperm can still survive for when the egg is released to be fertilized. Now, the reason I say don't have sex every single day, um, that is because you can actually deplete the sperm count if you're having it every day the week before your period. So every second day is kind of optimal. Some experts would suggest not having sex the week prior to that at all and saving it all for the five days prior to ovulation other experts say have sex every second day of the entire month that can be draining and that can be stressful so what i will say is find a balance between yourself and your partner then other issues like have you got any other underlying health issues have you any thyroid problems have you any hormonal conditions that you are aware of cysts fibroids pcos endometriosis If you have these sorts of conditions, then I will go to your doctor sooner than the year. And you can put a plan in place and and start a protocol. Then what are your stress levels like? Stress has a huge, huge role in delaying conception like I've talked about. Then also, what's your diet like? And have you just come off any sort of contraception? Because if you have, your hormones are gonna be a little bit all over the place. So you need to look at balancing your hormones and then things will start falling into place. Now, like I said, all of the above, either singularly or collectively, can play a huge role in not being able to conceive within three months. But like I said, stress is a huge one. Cortisol and adrenaline, now this is over long-term periods, they can inhibit ovulation. And it's all down to the hypothalamus and the ovulatory production hormones and so forth and so forth. I've gone through all that before. But if you're stressed in general and then you're putting the added pressure of conceiving, it's not going to help. And you're just causing a vicious cycle within the body and you're creating more cortisol and more adrenaline. What I would say to anyone who has been trying for about six months and nothing has happened and you are really, really stressed is to actually give yourselves two months off. Stop timing your sex all-around ovulation. Stop timing your life all-around conceiving. Give yourself a little bit of a break because it can become monotonous. And it's one complaint I've heard a lot from a lot of women that you lose your intimacy and you lose the excitement and it becomes mechanical and robotic. And it's just to get the deed done. And this is on both sides for men and women. And you both end up getting frustrated and upset and even more stressed. And then there's a stress put onto the relationship. So anyone that... Who is a young, healthy, vibrant woman. And there's no underlying factors going on at the moment. I would say just take a break for two months. Give yourselves two months off. Get your stress in order. And there's loads of things that you can do to get your stress in order. The likes of yoga, meditation, tai chi, all really good, like deep breathing exercises to help relax the body then therapy as well, I highly recommend therapy for people who are undergoing prolonged times of stress and anxiety and feeling overwhelmed and adding in the extra stress of conceiving, it can become too much, so go and talk to someone, someone unbiased who you can just vent to and let it all out without being afraid of hurting anybody's feelings then also your diet, what are you fueling your body with? Is it whole foods? Or are you eating on the go? But you know, you have to look at creating the optimum environment for a baby to, co- to be conceived in. Especially for women who are trying to conceive, an alkaline diet is really key because you need to make sure that your pH for your cervical mucus is alkaline and not acidic so that it can actually take the sperm in or not take the sperm in but the sperm can go past the mucus if it's too acidic if it's too thick the sperm can't get through so make sure that you are on an alkaline diet for your ph then also herbs and herbs like alchemilla which is ladies mantle motherwort chamomile avena skullcap shatavari, wild jam angelica these are all wonderful herbs for the nervous system for balancing hormones and for reducing out stress and then also supplements not even supplements just foods foods rich in vitamins A, C, E, B vitamins making sure that you're getting a good protein source in because you need protein adequate amounts of protein for proper hormone production now you As well, you do need to be taking your prenatal supplements to make sure that the body is ready for conception. Then another thing that a lot of people don't actually take into consideration is positioning. So when you are actually having sex, the position is really important. So sperm needs to be deposited very high in the vagina. So deep penetration is actually really important. So laying down... On your back with your knees. Up in the air. Kind of up around the shoulder area. That's when you're going to get the deepest penetration. That's going to be the best position for you. Also when you're finished having sex. Don't get up and run to the toilet. Or jump out of the bed because you have other things to do. You're going to have to lie there for 30 minutes. Because it takes minimum 30 minutes. For the sperm to actually travel up through the cervix. To the fallopian tubes. So you need to give it time. Lie there for 30 minutes on your back with your knees up, so put your feet up against the wall. Lie there, chill out, have a chat and a laugh and bask in post-sex glow with your partner. Do you know, don't make it such a rush all the time. The body needs to relax and let it let the sperm do its job. So those are some hints and tips to help you along the way. So your diet, your nutrition, what are you fueling your body with? Your stress management, doing yoga, meditation, tai chi, going talking to someone. Herbs, supplements, getting a good herbal protocol or even some acupuncture. These All these things help. And again, positioning. So I hope that has helped and relax just try to relax and enjoy the process too because once there's a baby there you're not going to be able to have that much sex again seriously but do try to relax so the next question came in from a girl saying i've recently gone through a breakup and my periods have stopped is this normal it's common it's not normal my famous saying common but not normal But it can happen. And there are loads of different reasons for it. But it comes down to the mind body connection and the mind body emotion connection. A lot of people forget that our emotions create a cascade of effects on our bodies from stress and anxiety and grief and sadness. They all affect us on a physical level. We just don't think of it that way. We think it's just in the mind. But it does have a knock-on effect in the body. Like grief and trauma have a huge impact impact on our reproductive health. And a breakup is actually the same feeling as a death in the family. Because they're the same emotions. You've lost someone. They may not be dead but they're gone from your life. And that is a grief. And you have to let yourself go through the grieving process with this. But like sudden shocks, grief, trauma, anything that really affects you on a deep emotional level that happens suddenly. It triggers our stress hormones in epic proportions. So when you lose your periods, what's actually happening is there's a problem with the ovulation process. And when there's a problem with the ovulation process there's actually a strong link with there being a problem with the regulatory mechanism of the menstrual cycle in your brain and this again all goes back to the hypothalamus but the thing is with the hypothalamus is that it's affected hugely by emotional and psychological factors be it stress grief shock but one in particular is repressed pain And this causes menstrual cycle dysfunction. All of our emotions are linked to different bodily systems. And this goes back to TCM, traditional Chinese medicine. And there is the Chinese body clock. But when you don't feel certain emotions, it will, when you're repressing them, it will come out physically in you. So like I said, each emotion is correlated with each organ so the likes of grief and sadness and loss or feelings of duty bound or you feel like you're duty bound they're directly linked with the lungs so a lot of people after going through a breakup or a death in the family or something major has happened you'll see a lot of lung problems so a lot of chest infections bronchitis pneumonia different lung conditions but that's all affected by grief and sadness but repressed grief and sadness the kidneys, the kidneys is correlated directly with fear. So if anybody is in a constant state of fear over money, over relationships, over their well-being, you'll see a lot of kidney infections. They'd be prone to kidney infections. The liver, is anger. If you see someone who is constantly angry and red-faced and firing off the handle all the time, guaranteed their liver is completely congested. And again down to stress, poor nutrition, alcohol consumption, drug consumption, whatever. It's all tying up that liver. And when people are excessively angry and full of rage, there is a liver problem there. They need to flush out their liver and they need to get things in order. Because if long term problems with the liver will cause even more problems. Now the thing is again with repressed pain and emotions it's it's also all tied into letting yourself be vulnerable and letting yourself feel these emotions because it's so hard to feel the emotions it's easier to numb it's easier to run and hide it's easier to not have to face things than actually face what's going on in front of you because it's too painful But when you repress these feelings, they will come out physically in some way, shape or form. And I do, trust me, I do know how hard it is. Like, I've, I've been there myself. I've numbed out from loads of different things. But feeling the pain now and working through it, it's better than coasting along for the next six to 12 months in a haze of numbing out because you're only going to have to feel the pain then so work through it now what I would recommend is trying counselling therapy again I've talked about it already go to therapy work through what's going on because you are blinded by the emotions right now and you need an outsider's opinion to give you clarity and also to take you out of your head so it is really important to talk to someone who has the skills and the tools to help you work through this pain and physically what you can do foods that are rich in b vitamins vitamin e zinc and magnesium and essential fatty acids these are all crucial for proper hormone production and for the nervous system so the likes of your good quality red meats fish oily fish wild oily fish it has to be all your veggies or have a rainbow on your plate your sweet potatoes parsnips broccoli, cauliflower, butternut squash, pumpkin as some people call it, peppers, all your greens, all your dark leafy greens and then oats and again more root veggies, nuts, seeds, walnuts and cashews especially for the nervous system and for the brain function right now because Going through a grief does really affect our cognitive function. So lots of fatty foods and your avocados and your oils and things like that. Also, keep your weight above 50 kilos. Like you've lost your period. You can't afford to really drop weight. Now, I don't know what you do weigh, but for anybody else that's listening that has a low body weight, trying to keep it above 50 kilos or 112 pounds Depending on what way you work it. Now I do know that it's hard to eat during times of stress and grief and sadness and loss. But do focus on just keeping that weight above 50. A bit more depending on height and whatever body composition. Like I'm not talking about how you look. I Just your body fat. You do need to keep that up. Just to get your periods back. Then... Nervines, so herbs like chamomile, lavina, skullcap, ashwagandha, shatavari, motherwort, vitex, wild jams, angelica, black cohosh. These are all really good herbs for hormone balancing, for stress, for the nervous system. You really just need to nourish the body completely again even acupuncture is really good to help bring back the periods again but most importantly being gentle on yourself and trying your hardest is not to numb out but also remembering that this too shall pass it may pass like a kidney stone but it will pass and the pain will subside in time so my next and final question comes in from a girl saying I have really bad chocolate cravings how can I get rid of them (sighs) cravings the bane of our lives right that week right before the period when a lot of people have cravings some people have these cravings all the time but these cravings they're there for a reason they're trying to tell you something And it's the body signal that you're lacking in vital vitamins and minerals. And it's also trying to let you know if something bigger is going on. But the body craves loads of different things for loads of different reasons. So chocolate cravings specifically is magnesium. The science is there, it's been done. When you were craving chocolate, you were craving magnesium. And that is because cacao, raw cacao, has one of the highest levels of magnesium in it as a food source. So it's that flavour, it's that taste that we're going for, is that chocolate taste. Other things then, so like your breads and pastas, you're craving nitrogen-rich foods, so your greens, nuts and seeds, then fatty, oily foods, so like your takeaways, your kebabs, your burger and chips, your pizza, it's calcium that you're actually craving there. So again, all your leafy greens, all your dark greens, your broccoli, dates and plums are actually really high in calcium as well and salty foods so you're craving chloride and and silicone nuts seeds celery seaweeds these kind of foods then premenstrual cravings like I mentioned that week before your period when you're really craving stuff if you don't get cravings all throughout the month but just premenstrual cravings you're lacking in zinc so the likes of pumpkin seeds, leafy green veg, actually all leafy veg to be honest. So your, your beetroot greens, your mustard greens, things like that. And then all your root veggies, so sweet potato, potatoes, carrots, parsnips, turnips. These are all really good for you right now. But these cravings are actually also getting you to look at your overall health and emotional state. I'm really talking about the emotions tonight. (laughs) Could it be with my little pity party I had for myself today? Who knows? I do apologise. Well, actually, no, I don't. Maybe someone needs to hear this. But yeah, do look at your overall health and emotional state. Are you run down? Are you tired all the time? Are you exhausted? Can you function on a basic human level? What's your diet like? Is it fast food or processed foods? Or is it whole foods? Now, you don't have to answer to anyone here but yourself. I've gone through stages of just eating pure crap. And as long as I don't tell anybody about it, it's fine. But you do have to come back around when you see that your own health is deteriorating. Also, if you are feeling like this, if you're knackered all the time and you're exhausted and you just can't function, have you been to the doctor yet and have you gotten tests done? If you haven't I would say go and get tests done to make sure that everything is in order but in saying that a lot of the time tests will come back and they'll say everything's fine. That's because the normal range is quite large. You may be on the upper or lower end of that normal range scale so I do recommend going getting your bloods done by asking for a copy of them so you can see yourself exactly what's going on. But I am talking about this too because Cravens can let us know if or adrenal health is under stress so the likes of chronic f- chronic fatigue syndrome or adrenal fatigue syndrome it's caused from long periods of stress and the cortisol and adrenaline and noradrenaline have just been going for so long and then you crash and you burn but cravings are a huge sign of adrenal fatigue or chronic fatigue so your sweet chocolate cravings and also your salty cravings if you have both And this is if you've been going, 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 going for non-stop. You are looking at the likes of, you may be looking at the likes of chronic or adrenal fatigue syndrome. Now, getting those cravings under control, it's coming down to the likes of your diet, but also your lifestyle, especially if it's your adrenal health that's compromised. So if you have been under long-term stress, you need to look at healing the healing the adrenal glands finding hard to talk this evening sorry about that but nutrition and herbs they're also really important for getting your body back on track i've gone through loads of different things that you need herbal medicine really good you're looking at again nervines and adaptogens liver herbs everything to help manage stress nourish the nervous system support the adrenal glands and support gut health as well to make sure that you're absorbing all the nutrients that you need because with long-term stress comes problems with nutrient absorption now if you find that you're waking up at night between or in the morning between 4 and 5 a.m. every morning that's a sure sign that your cortisol levels are too high they've peaked and you cannot stay asleep during that peaking stage so Again, sleep is a huge factor here and I'm going to go through some lifestyle factors, but sleep is really, really important. Trying to get to bed early, especially if you're waking between 4 and 5 a.m. If you're finding it hard to go off to sleep, Skullcap is a really good herb. It just helps to calm the mind. Now, this is for anybody who's not on any sort of medication or anything like that. If you're ever going to start taking herbal medicine, always consult with a health practitioner. But if you find it hard to go to sleep, Skull cap is really, really important for knocking off that brain chatter. If you're finding it hard to stay asleep, the likes of licorice root, if you don't have high blood pressure, angelica sinensis, peony, like good blood tonics to help keep you asleep. They're really important. What I will say is try not to get up before 7.30am. Now, if you're going to bed early enough, then okay. But you need to be getting minimum, minimum 8 hours sleep a night. So if you're going to bed at 10, people say you can get up then at 6. Yes, you can. But like I've talked about the Chinese medicine body clock, the adrenal glands, they're really recovering right up until 8 a.m. So 7.30 a.m. I think is a bit of a compromise. (laughs) Then when you're exercising... Again, going back to the Chinese body clock, try to avoid heavy, heavy weight lifting between 5 and 7 pm because this is your adrenal, or not your adrenal, this is your kidney time, your kidney jing. Your adrenal glands sit right on top of your kidneys. If you find that you're exhausted all the time, lifting heavy weights is going to deplete your vital force. Now, just during these times, if you can lift around those times, fantastic. Now if you can't avoid exercising between 5 and 7pm because I do understand it's the most common time to exercise just make sure that you're getting adequate nutrition in before and afterwards to make sure that your body has proper fuel. You should be doing that anyway but especially when you're training between 5 and 7pm. Then foods. Again I've talked about it. Whole nourishing foods. We need like the reason I talk about foods is because it gives us our vitamins and our minerals, it gives us our life force, it gives us our health. So whole foods, again, your root veggies, your oily fish, wild oily fish, your oats, but then also things like pearl barley. Pearl barley is really good for drawing out drawing out heat from the kidneys and also from the adrenal glands. And then bone broths. Bone broths are very nutritive. They're gonna give you energy and vital force back in again but the main things really are going to get some tests done if you've been experiencing any of the symptoms that i've said for long periods of time and get a copy of your results but there are ways to help with chronic fatigue adrenal fatigue exhaustion everything as long as you know what you're working with things can be helped So I would recommend just going to the doctor, getting some blood tests done and finding out what exactly is going on. And if it all comes back normal, then look at your diet, look at your nutrition, look at what is it that you can do yourself. Because you're obviously lacking somewhere, be it from nutrition. Like I said, our food is what fuels us, it's what gives us our vital force. You need to be eating right for energy, for health, for wellness, even for happiness. We need good food. So that's all the questions for tonight. And I hope they have helped. If anybody has any further questions on any of the topics that I covered tonight, give me a shout. If you liked the podcast, feel free to leave a comment or tag me in it. I always love getting some feedback. And I hope you all have a wonderful week. And a wonderful weekend. And you look after yourselves. So happy Thursday. And happy hormones everyone.